Welcome to the Tales from Travellers podcast, a show that aims to share the unique experiences of expats, travellers and those who've chosen to make a life abroad. Through our guests' unique experiences, we'll explore the challenges and rewards of adjusting to a new culture, making new connections, pursuing a career or even raising a family in a different part of the world. Whether you're a seasoned traveller or new to the expat lifestyle, this podcast could be an insightful tool or just a fun piece to distract you while you're making your journey. Today's guest is Alex, a freelance copywriter who left behind a nine-to-five job to travel throughout East Asia. In this episode, we'll learn about Alex's experiences as a freelance traveller, including how she packs for a long-term travel, navigates different cultures as a a solo female traveller, and also balances work and play while on the road. So Alex, first things first, whereabouts are you in the world right now? So I'm currently in Changu in Bali. Going out as a freelance traveller, what was what was the catalyst? What made you say, right, I'm going for this? So I, well, I wanted to go travelling when I finished uni um, because I didn't take a gap year after school and I did a year abroad at uni. So I actually spent a year studying in Sydney for my third year and I loved it so much and I got to do like travelling around Australia when I was there. And it also went to Thailand for a bit with friends from uni. So it sort of sparked the travel bug inside me. And then I went back to Birmingham for my final year. And I was always like, oh, I want to go back to Australia. Like, I want to travel. Like, it just sparked that inside me, I think. So my goal when I finished uni was to work for six months and then go traveling. But obviously, COVID came. So it kind of wiped all my travel plans out. Um, so I ended up basically getting a job in an office, um, which I did enjoy and it was very good experience, but I kind of felt that I was always very unsettled because in my mind, I was always like, I want to go traveling. I want to go traveling. Um, so I basically worked in an office job for two years and then I came to kind of a break in the role that I was in. Um, I'd enjoyed it, but there wasn't really any more progression in the company. And I sort of wanted to like, you know, expand my skills and progress up. Um, But to do that, I needed to switch companies. So I started looking like for jobs in London and like actually applying. I was interviewing for jobs. This was last summer. And then I suddenly thought, well, all this money that I've saved since finishing uni, it's literally gone into a bank account called Travelling Savings. And I thought, well, what's the point of me getting a new job and then kind of sitting there thinking, oh, in six months time, a year's time, I do want to go traveling. I thought, just do it now. Like if I'm at a break now, it's a good time. I've got the money. So I thought, let's just quit my job and go. Um, So yeah, that's kind of what I did. And I didn't plan on freelancing initially. Um, Obviously I'd been working for ages. I was like, I just want a break. I don't want to work for a bit. So I actually went to Bali as my first stop. Um, I went on my own because my friend that was supposed to go with me before um, couldn't come because she got a job and it was like she basically had just started a new job and she was like I can't come with you but I was like that's fine like I'm just gonna go on my own Um, so to start I actually booked a fitness retreat in Bali so I do CrossFit at home which I love and there's a very famous CrossFit in Changu in Bali called Wanderlust and I looked on the website and I saw they had a retreat starting on my birthday and I was like oh 
I'm just going to book it. So I just booked this week-long retreat, which it was such a nice start because obviously it's kind of, I guess, with like group travel as well. It's nice. You're put with people, like you're on your own, but you're like put with a group of people. They organise like your accommodation. They organise like the activities. Obviously for us, it was a lot of like workouts, gym sessions. We did like surfing. We did hikes, like very fitness, like orientated. But I really enjoyed that. Um, So that was the first week. And then after that, it was solo travel. But it wasn't actually a problem because I think, especially having the retreat as like the first week, it was a very good introduction to the traveling. So it kind of put me with people and then they were like, oh, we want to visit here. We want to go there. So I then traveled around Bali with them for three weeks. Mm. Um, So yeah, no working at this time, just enjoying myself, like loving life in Bali. And then um, the freelance stuff basically came because I unfortunately broke my wrist at CrossFit. Um, So I got repatriated back to the UK and had surgery, which was uh, pretty bad. And obviously quite a break in my travels, unfortunately. I'd only been away for a month and I was like, I'm going to be away for ages, like not coming back. And then everyone was like, oh, you're back already. And then obviously I was sat at home. I was so bored. Like I'm so, so active. I like doing things all the time. So for me, like having to sit at home, like with a cast on and just watch TV, because I couldn't do anything. I'd obviously quit my job and I couldn't go out and get a job anyway, because I had to rest because of my wrist. And I was like, oh, I'm so bored. And I was like, well, it would be nice to make some money while I've got nothing to do. Um, So I started looking up like freelance opportunities and basically my job previously I was a content writer for a marketing agency um so I was writing content for like all different kinds of companies um like b2c b2b for like their websites blogs social media and also making like graphics tiktoks um that kind of thing um so I was like oh I could do that freelance and I'd already started building my website when I'd been at work so I thought right let's like get the website up and running um and try and get some freelance work so I was like I can still type with one hand so I initially typing started typing with one hand and yeah it did it did take longer I was like but I'll give it a go um and basically how I initially started doing it was I found a freelance agency so mm when I was at home, I was actually working for the agency, um, which was really good. It was actually through like a family friend connection that I found out about it and contacted them, had an interview. Um, And it's very convenient because like they find the clients and then they like assign them to you. So you don't have to like go hunting for clients or anything. And you can say like what your interests are or like your areas of expertise. So I basically decided that I wanted to specialize in health and fitness writing because I do think that's kind of what I want to build my career and experience towards. Um, So, yeah, I said that and then they assign you basically relevant jobs, which is really good. So, yeah, that's that's how I started it. And that's what I was doing when I was at home. Yeah. That was yeah, a really uh, long description. It's a very long but complex story. I think when anyone yes. goes traveling, there's always the hiccups. And 
you, like yeah. a lot of people I've spoken to, COVID is a thing that put everything on hold, yeah. made you reassess, yeah. made you think. And if anything, it kind of helped as yeah. 2020, end of 22, 20, 2023 has been a year that a lot of people have just said, you know what, I'm taking the leap. I'm going to do it. Yeah. And yeah. obviously I came across yours um, through like Instagram, social media, you kind of going you know, and working abroad. But also you mentioned that you were getting like working to jobs in the agencies in London. Um, a lot of people find moving to London if you're not from London quite a um, quite a challenge in itself. Did you not get bitten by the London bug at all and think about just moving and renting I, in London? I think I am bitten by the London bug. But unfortunately, when I was at home, I, my jobs that I got just didn't, they weren't in London. They were always outside of London. It didn't make sense for me to move to London when yeah. I didn't work in London and London's very expensive. So I think for my next job, like what I was looking at last summer was jobs in London. And I, I do kind of still have that urge to live in London. I think a lot of my friends live there, pretty much all of them now actually, you know, they're renting yeah. and they're working there and like, it does look really fun. But I think for me, traveling was always the priority. And I think also I knew, if I move out and I rent in London, my money is, is going on the rent. Whereas I'm very fortunate, like at home, I didn't really have to pay rent. I could just try and save everything I could. So I think mm -hmm. I kind of made that choice. Like I was just going to live at home. So yeah, I lived at home for three years after uni, which is not what I planned. Like when I graduated, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll live at home for a year and then I'll be able to move out. And yeah, obviously COVID didn't help that either. I just sort of had to take the job I could get and then just try and save up really yeah. and if anything that that helped you out those additional years putting more yeah. money aside exactly and moving on to where you're at now and going to travel pre-breaking your wrist let's talk about <laughs> you getting actually building up to this moment obviously you were in a job fully employed before going out there um and you mentioned with your with your friends you were going to go together before she got her job mm. and it became a solo mm. venture how long were you and you were planning this in like 2020 but were you and your friends like planning this? Did you have your route mapped out? Did you have all your like paperwork, passport, visas? Was this all planned in those COVID years? Ready for you to jump when you could? In, oh, it's hard to remember. In COVID it was because we were supposed to go in April, 2020. So originally we were going to Vietnam, Cambodia, I think maybe Bali, Australia, New Zealand. I'm pretty sure it was that order. And I think we were planning to just go for maybe three months, but I'd only saved in 2020, I'd only saved a thousand pound. And I don't know, I don't know how I thought I was going to go traveling with a thousand pounds because you need more than a thousand pounds. That was that, a very good weekend in Paris, I'd say. Yes. Um, so we did, we did have it quite planned out in 2020, but I think something I've realized massively from traveling now, like I think when I first went, I just put, where I wanted to go and I put very like fixed dates on it and I tried to book all my flights in advance and everything and I kind of realized when I got to Bali I was like you just you just don't want to pre-plan it you just want to kind of like see where you want to go and I think especially as a solo traveler you want to see who you meet like where they're going what they recommend like I kind of feel like I just want to go with the flow so yeah. it's it's very much like my traveling forms as I'm going and I kind of pick what I'm doing the next week. I kind of just think one week ahead and then see where I'm going. 
pretty damn good way to think about it, taking each day as it comes. I think that's yeah. what a lot of people hope to do. But it's changed. Yeah, that's changed a lot because that was not my mindset at the start. I was like, I need to have months planned and you just don't. <laughs> I find with a few people who have gone on their little, you know, six months to a year travel excursions, they plan out these massive elaborate routes. And next thing you know, they end up spending half the time in one country just yeah. because they've fallen so in love with it. Yeah. Um, you've kind of been been around in the in just, what, the four months that yeah. you've been out. You mentioned that you you bumped into people at like um, CrossFit, mm. um, which we'll get onto in a bit more. But with these um, other CrossFit travelers and these um, like kind of groups and tours, did you stick around with them for long? Are people are they all solo travellers and you just all fit yeah. together? So um, I actually did another group tour in Vietnam. So basically, just to explain the backstory after the rest. So I had to be at home for eight weeks, which took me to December. And then my parents had already booked because, you know, as parents do, they book everything and plan it all in advance. So they had booked to go to New Zealand for Christmas. So I was like, right, I have to get out to meet them for Christmas or I was spending Christmas on my own at home. So I basically went over all of the countries, obviously, and went to New Zealand for Christmas. And then I went to Australia to see my friends from uni and stay with my second cousin, which was really nice. Um, but then I was like, oh, I do want to go back to Asia and basically do the countries that I was supposed to do before I broke my wrist. But because, because kind of, I felt a lot of things had gone wrong and I was like, I just don't, not that I would break anything again, but I just felt like at that time I was like, I actually just want someone to organize a little bit of the traveling for me, just so I don't have to think for a couple of weeks and it can kind of ease me back into like solo traveling Asia, basically. So um, I booked a tour with Continue, um, which is like a tour company. And I was a little bit worried because basically I like to go out and like have a drink, but I'm not a massive partier. And I was like, oh, what if it's like really party? What if it's all 18 year olds? But I basically checked all the reviews and like the reviews were really good. And it's a tour that's 18 to 35. So I'm 26. Okay. So I'm kind of in the middle of the age group. It's not like I would be the oldest or anything. Um, so I booked that tour literally like a week before it started. I called them and they were like, oh, yes, like, We've still got space that like, we can get you in last minute, basically. Um, so I flew to Ho Chi Minh because it started in Ho Chi Minh. And that's really nice because like they tell you obviously like where to meet and you have like a yeah. welcome meeting when you get there. And yeah, that was amazing. And it was basically two weeks going from south to north of Vietnam. And it was just really nice that it was all organized because it's quite a long country. So you either have to do um, like sleeper buses, sleeper trains, or you do internal flights to basically get between the places because it's a really long country to travel. So it was really nice because they had internal flights booked for all of us. So you didn't really have uh, to think about it because they'd just be like, right, tomorrow we're doing this and you need to be there at this time. And yeah, it was just really fun. And like such a nice group of people. There were no 18 year olds. I think the youngest was 23. And then the oldest was 35. So like a really, yeah. really nice group. We all got on so well. And because you're traveling with them for like two weeks, you just like you all get on and you all get really close together because I think you'll experience everything together. Like it's yeah. just really lovely. Um, so that was really good fun. And then a lot of them were traveling like other countries after. 
So I actually saw some of them, not in the Philippines, because I went to the Philippines after, but then in Bali, I reconnected with some of them. And actually a lot of them are Australian. So I think when I go back to Australia, I'll see a lot of them in Australia as well, which is really nice. And like, it's nice to see, you know, where they are now or where they're traveling and kind of keep in contact. And I think like, if someone is a bit nervous about like going on their own or they just don't really want to plan it themselves, like doing a tour is definitely a really good kind of introduction. I think it gives you that confidence to then kind of go on your own after because you're like, oh, I'm used to meeting people now and I kind of know my way around. And yeah, it's just, it's just a bit easier. After taking an injury and setting yeah. back the travel plans, I can imagine that kind of knocking confidence just, it kind of naturally occurs, even though it's just something that you couldn't avoid. Yeah. And going back out and what, once your tour finished, what, what was the, um, what was the next step after that? Were you, were you fully on your own? So I, yes, I was fully on my own. Um, but because I had researched Vietnam so much, because this is obviously my third time of booking to go to Vietnam. So I knew everywhere that I wanted to go, most of which was covered by the tour. Um, but basically um, in the north, there was the Hajang Loop, which I wanted to do. Mm. And part of the reason why I picked this tour was because it goes south to north. Most other tours I looked at went north to south, but there's more to do in the north of Vietnam. And I was like, I know I want to finish in the north because everyone that you speak to is like, oh, the north is so much better. So I knew that I basically wanted to go that direction. So then when the tour finished in Hanoi, I basically booked like a couple of nights like, in a hostel just so I could explore the city. And that was really nice actually, because other people from the tour were also staying for like a couple of nights. So I guess, yeah, people were there, even if we weren't staying in the same hostel, would like me up for dinner or go and explore and things. And then after that, I basically booked a tour to do the Hajang Loop, which is basically, it's usually three nights, four days. And you go on a motorbike, like through the mountains, right in the north yeah. of Vietnam. So you go right up to the Chinese border and it's just so pretty. Like it's so, so beautiful. Um, and I, I don't drive a motorbike, so I did not drive. <laughs> I basically got a driver so you can book onto a tour and there's like professional drivers that will drive you around. And it's just so amazing. Um, so I basically just looked that up online, booked a tour with good reviews. And then they, we met in Hanoi and then they organized the transport. We'd go on a sleeper bus up to Hajang. And then the next morning we started the tour. So that was, you know, entirely new group of people going, I was on my own again then, having to like make friends again. But yeah, I think it, it wasn't a problem. It was nice. It was really fun. Now, do you think all these other, all these other travelers that you're making friends with and kind of connecting with, <laughs> um, is everyone quite open and friendly that you're bumping into? Are you yeah. quite uh, easy to get along with open person? Yes, definitely. But I would say something I noticed is I have noticed a difference between Southeast Asia and Australia. So when I was in Australia, I didn't, I didn't really do much solo traveling when I was there five years ago, cause I was a bit younger, I wasn't so confident. But when I was there in January, I did a tiny little trip. So I didn't solo travel loads, I must say, but I went up to Byron Bay, which is really nice. And then I went to the Gold Coast to Surface Paradise and then up to Brisbane. And it was nice, but I stayed in hostels. I mean, one, uh, <coughs> sorry, the hostels are so expensive there, which is a big downside. 
but yeah. I also didn't find people were as open. So like when you'd go in the common areas, there's a lot of big groups traveling the East Coast in Australia. And sometimes there'd be groups of like 20, 30 people. And it was kind of obvious they all knew each other and, you know, they're all drinking and laughing. And it's kind of quite intimidating for like a solo traveler. Like you're not going to go off and be like, hey, and like trying to fit into the group. So I did find that a bit harder. I did manage to make friends in all the places, but I think in Australia it would more be that I'd be sitting in the dorm room or, I don't know, sorting out my stuff or something and someone else would walk in and then you'd end up chatting to them. But in the actual common areas, I found they were kind of taken over by big groups, which I didn't like so much. Um, But in Asia, it's totally different. Like I think, I would say the majority of people here are solo traveling. Everyone's very open in that, even open in that you can, especially in Bali, you can walk like into a coffee shop, you can walk into a cafe, you can just even just sit and talk to someone. Like you could just walk up to anyone and talk to them, which I don't think you can't really do that at home. You can't really do that in Australia because people are like, what? Like, what are you talking to me? Don't talk to me. (laughs) Whereas here, everyone just talks to each other. Like people are very open, everyone's very friendly. And I think that's what I like so much about Southeast Asia. When I've been around, everyone there is so nice, so welcome yeah. to, to tourists and foreigners and expats that you you get so taken back by it because, you know, living in England, you couldn't go talk to a random no. person in a coffee shop. You'd end up being kind of verbally abused yeah. <laughs> and told to get out. Exactly. But I, I suppose, obviously, if this is like your first kind of real big kind of mm. solo adventure, and as we mentioned, you can't really just bump into random strangers in a Costa shop in <laughs> what were your as a solo traveler what were your initial concerns before besides breaking another bone what were your concerns about going for the long-haul experience I guess my biggest concern is always not making friends and I think oh yeah like what if I don't meet anyone what if I'm on my own but that's literally never been the case and I think when I worry that, because I still do sometimes, I just think, well, that's never yeah. happened. I've never, there has never even been a day that I've been on my own. And like, I'm someone that needs, I need to be around people. Like I really kind of get energy off of talking to people. Like, I guess, yeah, I'm an extrovert and I just don't really like being on my own. And even if I spend like a few hours on my own, I just get like quite lonely and quite down. So I think I always need to speak to people but it's been so easy traveling because you can always find someone to speak to. And I think, you know, you can just go down to the area like in the hostel, like the kitchen area or the pool or something and just sit and start talking to anyone. There's always people to like chat to. Um, I guess as well, like, I suppose safety is a consideration, but I wouldn't say that it's something that has overly worried me. I don't, I don't know why, but it just, it just hasn't. But I suppose, it's because the destinations that I'm going to, I've looked up before, like, is it safe for a like, solo female traveller and looked at reviews. And also as I'm traveling, like when you get going, it's much easier because you talk to people, oh, where have you been? Where are you going? And they're like, oh yes, I've been here. Like stay here, go to this place. And then you sort of end up before you know it with a massive list on your notes on your phone of like, go here and stay here and eat here. So wherever I go, I've kind of yeah. got recommendations and then you kind of know that it's, you know, safe and well-traveled. Everywhere I'm going are very like well-traveled routes. I'm not really going off the beaten path. 
So you you sound so incredibly thought out and planned for your <laughs> journey. So everything's down, which is a fantastic you know thing to have. Mm. You know, a lot of people I've I've spoken to a few people who have been caught off because they just don't plan enough. But yes, I suppose that takes on to the the, the next point. Before even going out there, as a kind of long-term traveler, you're out there for months on end. What was the packing situation like for people going traveling and they're backpacking, they're doing whatever, whether that be, you know, East Asia, Australia. I think a lot of people can either tend to think they need to pack everything in the kitchen sink and then realize that Ryanair wouldn't let them on a plane with that This was me. How was the packing situation? That was me. That was me. I had literally a nightmare because... It was a big trip and I didn't know what to pack. And I was like, well, I need everything. And I was trying to pack it all. And obviously I was trying to pack like multiple trainers. I thought I needed my gym shoes, my running trainers and my fashion trainers. And I needed all my summer stuff and I needed my jeans and I needed jumpers. And I was like, this is way too much. So I was trying to pack it with my mum literally the night before my flight. And I was on the floor like crying because I was like, it's not going to fit in the rucksack. Because the rucksack also I bought in 2020. And then I was like, oh, yeah, it will fit. Had it all laid out and then tried to fit it in the night before the flight and it wouldn't fit. So I had a massive panic. Basically ended up taking a suitcase because I was like, it won't fit in the rucksack. So I took a suitcase to Bali. I was that girl that travelled with a suitcase, which (laughs) in Bali, it was actually fine. Like you're not, I wasn't travelling like anywhere difficult. It's very westernised. When I went on the islands, I went to Gilly Tea. You could have taken a suitcase and some people do. Like I got the ferry the other day and people were taking big suitcases. But for that, I just packed a day bag and just used that for a few nights. Um, But I did realize when I was traveling, I was like, I don't need half this stuff. Um, So basically I've now swapped (laughs) because I got to go home, repack everything. I've now swapped to a rucksack and just realized, no, I do not need two pairs of trainers. I need one pair of trainers and just been like very, very strict with what I take because I think before I just took way too much. And also I've realized you can buy clothes in Asia. Like I don't need to take absolutely everything and I will buy clothes here because the clothes in Bali are so nice. So I'd learn actually leave a bit of extra room, but yeah, packing, at first was a nightmare but definitely taking a rucksack is better and less stuff is more and you can always buy stuff out here however one essential that I would definitely pack more of that I packed more of for this trip is sun cream because sun cream is really expensive in Bali yeah there are a lot of things that I think a lot of you know people from England and Europe as a whole tend to forget that if you need it here the one thing I found when I moved to China was, um, you know, a, a, as a guy in particular, you know, um, deodorant, mm-hmm. antiperspirant isn't really a thing in um, in China. And I did it's not pack strange. enough of it. And when going shopping, it was, you know, it was the most expensive thing on my yeah. shopping list just because they, they don't use it out there. They apparently a lot of them, um, they just don't produce BO like Gosh. Westerners do. Yeah, I definitely so, think toiletries for, are quite essential. But clothing, I no, you do not need 50 outfits because you can do the washing and also buy new stuff. So I think, yeah, I learned that. And definitely taking a rucksack is a better idea. But I was lucky that I could swap. 
Yeah, that's probably the, the best thing. I was going to say, did you um, just do a tactical exchange at a, at a thrift shop, leave the suitcase, <laughs> grab, a, grab, a, grab a backpack? And well, yeah, no, I didn't. But, right. it's, you know, the broken wrist meant I could go home, reassess. <laughs> you mentioning you're really into your CrossFit, mm. into fitness, you went home, broke your wrist. How did you find, did, was, was the wrist injury limiting you on your return trip mm. at all? So it is, it is limiting me at CrossFit which is annoying just because I don't have full mobility and it aches kind of when I'm using it. But in terms of like day-to-day tasks, it's absolutely fine. But, you know, to get back to like handstanding and also like front squats and overhead, it's quite a lot of pressure on my wrist. So those things are a bit more difficult. Mm. Um, But I'm doing CrossFit in Bali and like all the coaches are like aware of my wrist. And they're very like accommodating, which is nice. Um, But actually when I went out to New Zealand, because it had only been like eight weeks since my surgery. So it was very, very recent. I still needed physio. So I was having physio in New Zealand. And then when I went to Australia, I was having physio as well. Because I wanted to keep up the physio for at least kind of 12 weeks or so after the operation. Um, mm. But yeah, I haven't had any physio in Asia just because it gets expensive as well. And obviously it's a bit harder to find in Asia. And probably you want to be saving yeah. money for other more enjoyable things as well. With all of your CrossFit gyms, I mean, when I've been abroad, there have been a few kind of gyms here mm. and there. Are a lot of like the hostels that you're staying in, are there, there gyms nearby? Are they easily accessible? Or are these ones that, again, with your immense prepping, you found ones near you? So it depends where you are. In Bali, it's, it's so westernized especially in Changu that they love fitness here they love CrossFit so I think there's like three CrossFits in Changu so there's loads there's one literally a two minute walk from my hostel so I've joined there at the moment which is amazing um so Bali it's very easy and everything in Bali is it's all very pretty it looks like it's made for Instagram so there's another CrossFit yeah. that I want to go back to in Uluwatu, which is quite a new one called Bamboo Fitness that opened, I think it opened last summer. And it's probably like the nicest branded gym I've ever seen. Like every little detail is like branded and all the equipment in the interior, it's all kind of color scheme and it's just very pretty, which I really like. And obviously right. like the classes are amazing. The coaching is incredible. So it's really in Bali to kind of yeah exercise and like even if you don't do CrossFit there's like so many gyms there's like yoga studios there's MMA like there is every type of fitness here and it's like a very good standard um but in Vietnam and the Philippines there's not really as many CrossFits there and yeah Cambodia where I broke my wrist I was in Cambodia for 24 hours so I can't really say much about it but I think there is one CrossFit in Cambodia which is in Phnom Penh which is the CrossFit I went to so they're kind of few and far between same in Vietnam I think there might be two but I actually didn't I didn't go to them there um I kind of just thought I'll I'll just save my money for like going to CrossFit in Bali in the Philippines I think there's maybe one CrossFit in Chargao, but I didn't go to that island. And there must be one in Manila, but there's not really, the islands that I went to are so tiny and so remote that there's there's not CrossFit there yet, you know? Maybe if no, they yeah. get more westernized. 
um yeah it's definitely the more kind of built up western areas that have crossfit yeah i think you'll be fine when you go to manila yeah. uh, manila's becoming ever more western i think because of all the investment going on there mm. um obviously the thing that goes hand in hand with fitness as well is obviously food and nutrition um a lot of people who may not be expecting um let's just let's just keep it as plain simple they might not be expecting steak and chips and what they get at home how are you finding bouncing around from town to town country to country how are you finding the food and shifting to all these different tastes from um if we're talking like health wise basically at Mm. home like especially last summer i was very like strict with my eating i was tracking my calories i was tracking my food and everything um which yeah i think that was fine but i would say i didn't have like freedom with my food like you know i'd be like oh like i can't have that because it doesn't fit like with my macros or it'll put me over my calories like I was very very strict with it and then even when I came to Bali in September because I was doing the fitness retreat and I'd been very strict with it at home I was still kind of in that mindset um in Bali you can get any food that you want in Changu at least like literally anything so it's easy it's easier than other Asian countries to kind of keep on track eat healthy um obviously I was like drinking a lot more because we were having like cocktails out in the evenings but it was only kind of I would say when I broke my wrist that I was my mindset kind of changed a bit because obviously I wasn't feeling that well and I was like oh I'm just at home and it was winter and and I started like I don't know being like oh it's okay like I could have some chocolate and some like cake or you know I could have like my mum's lasagna and not think oh I should only have a small bit I'd be like no eat loads of it and then it kind of meant when I be- went back out traveling, like in a weird way, I kind of, because the tracking mindset had gone, I sort of felt more freedom with what I was eating. And yeah, I guess it kind of made it like more enjoyable because I was like, well, you know, just enjoy yourself. Like you don't need to like track everything. Like it just kind of changed my mindset. Um, in mm. Vietnam, the food is amazing. Like it's yeah the best i think the best country for food it's very very cheap you can literally have a meal for like a couple of pounds maybe even one pound and it's just so delicious so they have um something called pho which is like kind of like noodly soup which is really really delicious and then they also have lots of like spring rolls lots of fish and it's kind of funny because when they they'll serve like a fish like for people to share like, in the middle of the table and it kind of makes you laugh because they just put a whole fish like out on the table <laughs> so you have to like scrape <laughs> it off the side whereas at home they would yeah, they wouldn't quite serve it like that but it's really delicious yeah. and then they also have um bun mi which is like it's it's just kind of a baguette really but it's really nice and very cheap um so yeah, everywhere you eat in Vietnam, it's just so delicious. And something that was really good about my tour that I did as well was our tour leader was absolutely amazing. And she obviously knew the country very well. And she would give us all these food recommendations of like restaurants and bars. So it was really fun because even in our mm. free time, we were like, oh, let's try this restaurant. And yeah, you could just have very, very good food for like a really cheap price. And then going to the philippines the food in the philippines is not that good 
So that was a bit of <laughs> that was a bit of a change. I'd had such good food, and um, I I sometimes have like a bit of a sense to my stomach in Asia. Like I get ill in Bali, and then I've been ill before in Thailand. But I just know that my stomach is sensitive to like different foods. But I'd got very confident because in Vietnam, I was like, well, I'm fine, and the food is great. Like you know, it's absolutely fine. And then got to the Philippines, and the food just kept making me ill, and it's just not as nice it's a bit more expensive and you'd get something and i just found a lot of the time i was kind of disappointed um but again it was there was a lot of western stuff as well um we didn't have that much filipino food i did have it sometimes and then in bali again like as i said in changu i eat a lot of like western food um but i just went over to lombok which is basically an island like it's the island next to bali and that's a lot less westernized and that felt like going back kind of into real asia and i suddenly realized i was like oh indonesian food is really spicy because obviously here it's been very like westernized and it and there i realized that you have to say to them to make it like not spicy and i went on a boat trip from lombok to flores via komodo which was very good which i recommend people do and on the boat it was all indonesian food like so that I guess that was kind of nice because it feels like a more authentic experience. But definitely I find spice so hard. And they'll be like, oh, it's not spicy, it's not spicy. And to me it's really spicy. But I like the taste of it. It's yeah, just it's Yeah, I just find the spice a little bit difficult, but <laughs> it's nice. It's nice, but you, you know, you tend to like do that napping yeah. <laughs> yeah. water. Um so obviously going out on tours and eating out and going to cocktails, enjoying yourself. Um, one thing everyone tends to think about, and I know it was something that really came up in my mind coming out of uni is, can I afford to go traveling? Can I, am I going to be, you know, am I going to be like sleeping on a beach <laughs> under a pier or something? How, how are you, how did you find budgeting before coming out and how are you finding that budget plan? It's now been you're a lot more expensive than I thought it was going to be. Um, when I first came out, I was really excited by how cheap Bali was because compared to the UK, it's so cheap. And I was like, oh, I've saved all this money. Like, you know, it's going to last for ages. And then as I've gone on, my mindset has like really, really changed, especially as I've had to do extra flights and fly all the way to New Zealand at Christmas which took like a chunk of my money that I wasn't expecting. And there's just been expenses come up that I just didn't really budget for um for example the philippines was a lot more expensive than i thought it was going to be i wasn't originally planning on going there i wanted to go back to bali after vietnam and i was like oh the philippines is kind of on the way i'd heard good things from people i was like oh i'll do a little stop there for a few weeks and explore not realizing that for the philippines it's because it's lots of little islands it's quite hard to get around and that is somewhere you have to plan in advance and i took my mindset of bali like oh i can just plan the day before no in the philippines you have to book your flights internally you have to book your ferry like you need to book all the transport because i left it to the last mm. minute and not only could i not fly between the islands on the days that i wanted to because the airports are so small and there's a couple of flights a day on these tiny little propeller planes. So I had to change the dates of all my trip. And then the price that I paid was 
really really expensive like for an hour flight I was paying like 150 pound for these flights and I didn't budget for that um so that yeah that really annoyed me because I've been trying to be good with my budgeting especially as my trip's gone on like I'm very far into my trip now my I don't have loads of money left so I'm like right if I want to keep traveling I need this is how much I need to spend all the time but it's been very hard to stick to especially with unexpected costs like internal flights and and then you think oh like visas and just little things like that that you maybe don't think about um and then like accommodation I got very used to in Vietnam because it was so cheap like when I stayed in hostels there it would be five pound a night the Philippines it was about 16 pound a night which is it's kind of similar a tiny bit cheaper in Bali like it's a big difference so I think trying to adjust to like the different prices in each country it has been quite hard and like it's just been way more expensive than I thought it was going to be to be honest and I have found the budgeting and like the money side of it quite stressful at times as well yeah it's not not taken away from any of the experiences no. that you planned no it? It, or are you, are you having to fight it hasn't it hasn't I think I guess anyone could be like oh it would be nice to have more money but it's, it's a good skill as well the budgeting and yeah. I think also that's what also pushed me to look into more freelance work because as I said before, I was working for the agency at home, um, which was good. And I've continued to do that while I'm traveling, but the work is very inconsistent. Some weeks you can get given quite a bit of work. Another week you can get no work. So it was kind of hard. Like you don't Mm. know how much you've got coming in. And I think also I got used to at home, obviously when you're on a salary, you're like, oh, but I know that I'm getting paid at the end of the month. And it's not really like that. It's like some months I can make, you know, an all right amount and then the next month I'm like but I've hardly made anything um so I was kind of like right I want to look for other ways that I can kind of supplement that as well and then I was like okay I'm going to look at getting my own clients so this has been like a whole new challenge that I've set myself in like the past month or so I was like right I'm going to find my own clients then I can set my own prices I can pick who my clients are and I guess just really like be my own boss and not have like an agency yeah exactly which is good um but it's been a whole new kind of skill to learn like how do I get my clients like where do I find them kind of how do I sell myself how do I set up my branding how do I price everything so it's been like a real learning Mm. curve and really just having to kind of launch myself into it and yeah just just be confident and just go for it because I know that I know what I'm doing but it's just yeah learning those yeah learning those additional man. skills making other people believe that you can help them and give them the results that they want yeah yeah are you still doing the, um, the agency yes. work as well as to obviously yeah that little keeping the agency work running because yeah why not it's good to have that going as well as you mentioned starting up your own freelance kind of hire find your own clients with the clients and the networking you're doing, I'm assuming a lot of them are a bit more Europe, Western side of it yeah. compared to where you are. And how are you finding, how are you finding making that connection? So, so it far? is quite challenging. So I've mainly been using like social media, like LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook groups, just like really posting, like messaging people, trying to set up calls with people. But it has been challenging. And I think something that... <laughs> I need to learn to be patient 
because I've realized whilst I might be like, yes, I can do this for you. Like, you know, this is how much it's going to cost and kind of set everything out for them. It takes people and businesses and startups, especially it takes them time. I think, you know, I had some potential clients in the Philippines and I was like, right, okay, they're going to sign on next week. Like this is it. And they haven't. And it's just taken time because they're like, oh no, we need to speak to this person. We need to work out this. And you realize actually it has to go through the whole business and you have to like be patient with it. So that's mm. definitely something that's been challenging. Um, yeah, it's, it's been different and it's been, it's been hard, but I think that it will be rewarding. And I think I will get there. I just need to yeah, sort definitely. of keep on going with it and get it properly up and running. And then I think once you have like, you know, a few clients going, then they'll recommend you to others and then it kind of carries on. But yeah, it's been mostly online that I've been finding clients at the moment. And also you mentioned the ones in the Philippines. Are you finding you're, you're making connections, kind of professional connections and networking out, out so, east? Or are these just ones you've come across? While in Bali, yes because and I think that is something as well like being at the gym here like I'm trying to target health and fitness professionals and everyone there you know is doing something different and there's people that are like teaching yoga or there's people that are managing a studio or you know doing different things so there's so many connections there so I think in Bali it's been very very useful to make connections um and then the other places I haven't really so much. I think it depends kind of the groups that you're mixing with and the people and yeah, it just depends on where you're staying, what you're doing and who you meet, I guess. But Bali has definitely been good for like networking. And you've um you've got quite a bit of a presence. You're across Instagram. I've I've stumbled across a bit of your, uh, your TikToks <laughs> that you're making out there. Are you maintaining a lot of these? Are they keeping you busy? And are you also leveraging these platforms to help grow your personal um, brand as well? They are keeping me busy. Yes. <laughs> um, creating content actually takes a lot of time. I wouldn't say I've been completely like on the ball with all of it. Like I definitely could be better. Um, with TikTok, I really enjoyed doing that. But I basically made that as like a travel diary. So I was like, I want my friends from home, my family to like see what I'm up to. But also I guess it is good because it kind of shows that like you can create videos and you can make content and editing skills and stuff. But that's been like really just for fun. And then with my Instagram, so I have a fitness Instagram, but it's now sort of merged into like fitness and travel. Um, just because I obviously wasn't really, I was doing a little bit when I broke my wrist, but I couldn't work out to the same amount. And then when I was traveling, I wasn't working out as much. So I was like, oh, I'll make it kind of fitness and travel. But then on the side as well, I've been trying to make like a marketing Instagram. But I do think that's something that I need to be more disciplined with and put more time into kind of building and growing and just putting like more content out because I think that would really benefit me as well. No, hugely. And I suppose, as we mentioned earlier, kind of staying fit on the go, traveling, you know, you change your diet. A lot of people tend to like lose a lot of weight um, because they're, they're on the move all the time. Have you had any people from, say, back home message you about, you know, how can I maintain a healthy lifestyle on the go? And also... Um, I suppose in that retort as well, for people who are going traveling who may not have a gym, have you done any exercises when you're not near a CrossFit gym that you tend to always do? You're quite I, would an love, I would love to be like, yeah, I well, I did this morning to be fair. 
like some of the um hostels will have like yoga mats and stuff so this morning i did like morning yoga but i would love to be like yeah i do workouts in my room but i really don't to be honest um i i gym junkie, absolutely yeah. love the gym and i love crossfit and when i'm at home i was doing it six days a week like just all the time and then in australia i was doing crossfit so to be honest my mindset when i was in vietnam in particular because that was very very fast paced like always moving and the philippines my main mindset for that was enjoy your traveling don't worry about trying to fit the gym in because i think for me part of the reason i broke my wrist was because i was training so much i was rushing around like trying to fit all the training in and actually trying to do that when you're moving around you don't know where you are in a city and you're trying to find your gym and sometimes it's just a bit too stressful and i think actually sometimes taking a step back and just being okay with actually i'm gonna lose a bit of strength i might not be quite as fit i might be like a tiny bit like you no know, fatter or whatever like that's i was like that's fine like it's literally a couple of months i was like just take that time like don't worry about it too much um i did train occasionally like i trained a couple of times in vietnam i trained a couple of times in the philippines but it would more just be like if i saw a gym and or if people at the hostel were like oh like in the philippines they were like oh there's a gym next door and it's literally like 100 pesos to use it and i was like oh okay that's easy like i'll just go in the morning but i wasn't really like going out of my way to like train and yeah i think also working out at home or like in the hostel i think covid just has tired me of home workouts and i just don't enjoy it so i think i kind of tend to wait if there's a gym in bali it's so much easier to like keep on top of my routine and i love being back at the gym and like it just feels so good and there's such like a community aspect to it here and like with crossfit in particular i know i keep talking about it but there's it is a big community and I do find whenever I do drop in like anywhere where I've been everyone's so welcoming and like I like generally always get on with other people that do CrossFit because we all have that thing in common so yeah it is it is nice that in Bali I can keep in more of a routine but it's not always possible when you're traveling and I think it's just trying to be like okay about that yeah and just enjoying the yeah because you can always exactly. go back to the gym when you come home you're, we're talking about you. You love the CrossFit. You love going to the mm. gym. You're going on these tours. Are there? Let's let's look at the two opposite sides of it. What is the most? Let's just say, my favorite word, thanks to TikTok. What has been the bougiest thing that you've done on your trip so far? And what has been the most off the beaten track question. that you've done so far? Well, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, but I do think my CrossFit retreat was the bougiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and we stayed in a five-star hotel, which was incredible. And I had booked basically a triple share room. So I was going to be sharing with two people that I didn't know. And I thought it was going to be like, I don't know, you know, like travel lodge where it's like two beds and a little bed in the corner. And I thought, oh, well, I'll be on the little bed. No, it was a massive, basically like two-story apartment. I had my own room, my own bathroom, like TV. That was luxury and yeah it was just so lovely and for like our closing party at the end of the retreat we did it at Finn's Beach Club which is like a famous beach club in Changu but it's quite pricey there and I went there the other week and I was like oh I don't think I can afford a drink here guys but I didn't realize when we went because it was all open bar tab when we went so 
because it was part of the retreat, we could just order like jugs of cocktails. We could order like Grey Goose vodka. We could order pizza, like whatever we wanted. So I was very, very lucky. <laughs> and I started my traveling off very high. Yeah. At, at the highest and then, time you could possibly be. I think <laughs> the times when I've been, where have I been off the beaten track? I would say probably the most basic that I've done is either the Hajang Loop, which was incredible, but I was mm. kind of pleased to be back in Hanoi because we were staying in homestays, but it was very, very basic. And it was really cold as well because it was North Vietnam and I didn't have any winter stuff. I just had summer stuff. So I just had a jumper and leggings, which was way too cold. I think it got down to like eight degrees, like, it wasn't very warm and it was all open and outdoors. So we would eat outdoors. And then even when we we're sleeping, it was all open and that was quite cold. And then when I did the boat trip last week, which was also amazing, um, that went from Lombok to Flores. And then that was three days, no, four days, three nights. And it was so much fun, but we basically slept on mattresses, like on the deck on the boat so there was like 40 people and you just <laughs> sleep on a little mattress and um other people have asked me since i've been back they're like oh but was the aircon good and i was like no there was there was no aircon <laughs> there was no aircon on this boat it was literally you just sleep on your little mattress area and then you all wake up like when the sun rises and there's there wasn't even something that did annoy me slightly was there wasn't even any like comfortable seats or anything like by the end of it we were all like desperate for like a cushion or a bean bag or something because you just had to like sit on the floor all the time and I'd been surfing the day before in Lombok and the sun cream must have all rubbed off because I got incredibly burnt like I was like lobster red and then I went on this boat trip and like sitting down like hurt so much and there was no cushions and you had to just like sit on the floor or like sit on the side of the boat but it was really good fun and i think actually you know some of these experiences you know that it's not going to be luxury and you just think well you know i'll just have a good sleep when i get to wherever i'm going and you just kind of enjoy the time yeah and, and actually i think going on those kind of rough and ready kind of rich, like what are they call trips um you do go to the more remote areas because that boat trip was amazing because when we'd stop at places it was just our boat and I think so many places I've been it's like you and hundreds of other tourists and you're like oh okay but that was literally just our boat and it was so amazing like there'd be no one else in the sea and you stop at beaches and it would be very very remote and like really beautiful and I think that was really nice like not to be with tourists all the time that's always a nice thing when you find yourself, especially when you go out to East Asia, you just yeah. realise there's you, maybe one other tourist, but you can just yeah. not have to worry about everyone being, getting that perfect in Instagram photo, which can yeah. tend to ruin the nice little scenery that you're, you're finding. Yeah. Now that you're talking about, you've seen all these amazing sites, you've gone on these amazing tours, you've gone diving, surfing, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you say you've done <laughs> like dry mountain skiing at some point. Are you thinking, obviously you're, you're, you've got a few more months left, are you thinking about potentially going abroad again and maybe working abroad? You mentioned you got really bitten by the travel bug when you were at uni. You've now done all this and yeah. you sound exceedingly happy about it. When you come back to the UK, do you think there might be looking online, might perhaps 
moving to the Middle East, huge CrossFit environment, or maybe going somewhere like China mm. and working somewhere in Shanghai, doing teaching and marketing. Do you think moving abroad is something that yes, might come Yes, I up? definitely think so. These are really good ideas <laughs> that I hadn't even really thought of. Um, I think something I've realized is that I love traveling and like the more people I speak to, the more places I want to go. And I think it's sort of opened my eyes to mm. that. And I think I'm gonna want to travel forever like obviously I'm gonna have to work as well but I don't think it's ever gonna go away the traveling bug I think obviously the way I travel like as I get older it will change and hopefully you know in 10 20 like however many years time I will travel a bit more luxury but I think I'm always gonna want to travel and I would like to work abroad I don't know I don't know where there's so many options I'm just not sure but at the moment in my head I kind of think it would be nice at some point perhaps to like properly get a remote job or build up my freelance work enough to live in Bali like that really appeals to me um but I'm also kind of thinking that I would like to work for a health and fitness brand like in-house doing their marketing that's kind of on my mind at the moment um I don't know whether that will be UK based and then maybe in a few years time, like try and move abroad. I'm not sure, but yeah, I definitely fancy working abroad. I can't, I can't blame it. And the way everyone talks about it, it seems like it's the better thing. Yeah. Most, most Brits are looking to move abroad anyway. I mean, you've, you've really kind of painted a really vivid picture of all these amazing places you've been, you know, obviously. And was it you're yeah, looking to go so to Thailand I next? Think I, I think I will go to Thailand. Um, basically in my long travel route i need to go back to australia because i've left my laptop there so i need to go back and get my laptop and i'm gonna see my friends again and my cousin and like stay there for a couple of weeks and then obviously the journey home is quite long and i didn't get to go to thailand i have been before but only for a very short trip and as i've been traveling basically everyone i speak to is like oh thailand this thailand that thailand and so i'm like well you know there must be something good about it and it kind of breaks up the journey home. So I think I'm going to go to Thailand. I want to go to Koh Tao and dive. I've heard that Chiang Mai is good and Pai. So I might go to those places. And yeah, I think obviously it's a good backpacker place as well. Lots of solo travellers. And I think it'll be a good kind of route on the way home. I endorse it. Definitely go to Thailand your way back. But you mentioned having to stop over in yeah. Australia and obviously go see family. Being out in obviously Bali, Philippines, Vietnam, was there culture shock when obviously there will be culture shock, but did the culture shock really hit you when you first land in each of these countries? And do you think you've gotten kind of used to this hostile lifestyle that going to Australia and more of a Western environment of Australia? Do you think that's going to be um, a bit, a bit jarring? I didn't, as well? there wasn't a time where I was like, Oh, I feel like I didn't feel the culture shock. Like really, I don't remember feeling it, but I think actually maybe how I did it is because it gradually took me into Asia because I did Bali first and it's so westernized. I think it's a really good ease into Asia. But then when I went to Vietnam and the Philippines, it is, you know, it's a bit more Asian and like in the Philippines just, it's a bit harder to get around and, you know, they only take like cash everywhere. You just have to think about things a bit more. So it did, for me, coming back to Bali after doing Vietnam and the Philippines, it was kind of, I was like, oh, I can relax a little bit, reset, like, because it's more Western here, I think it's easier. Um, but I definitely do love Asia and I think I have got used to it. I love being in a hostel. 
some people that I speak to they're like oh like every month or so they'll book a night like in a hotel just to have a bit of time to themselves but I really don't find like being in a hostel a problem like I've, I have got used to it and it really doesn't bother me to be honest um when I was in Australia before I really mm. missed Asia which is why I went back to Vietnam and did the traveling so I do think going back to Australia and going back home it will be different and it is more expensive and it's just not as fun I don't think Asia is just really good fun yeah <laughs> it's not as warm so it's different <laughs> no yeah definitely I mean it's always the thing whenever I speak to someone who's come back it always takes that you know week or so not not just to get mm. used to everything but also to change your mindset on how people tend to how people live in different in England versus how they do out east before we kind of come on to my my quick five one thing that's always quite important for travelers and one thing that always threw me off when i went away was knowing what apps and what resources to have on you obviously you're darting around from country to country tour to tour but did you go out there with certain apps installed on your phone did do you use something like a chase bank account to use things abroad but yeah um Tell me, what, what kind of apps did you go out there that you had to have to make your life easier? I feel like this is really cliche, but my most used app is definitely TikTok. And that is where I get a lot of my travel recommendations and like packing ideas or like places to eat, places to go, where to stay, what hostels to go to. Or even if I don't know where to go, like I've been in countries, like when I was in Vietnam, I was like, places to go for budget travellers or solo female traveler destinations and you look on TikTok and there's so many videos and then I really like that because you can see like visually what the place is like and it just feels very personal because you're just hearing from someone that's basically just like you as well so I actually think for traveling that's my most used app um other apps that I've used like currency converter is just very good um obviously you can always see the exchange rate and it's important like if you're exchanging money you can check like if you're getting a good rate um what else have i used i use chase as my bank account i think it's a very good account to use because you get one percent cash back on all your spending and it doesn't cost you to spend abroad so um yeah chase is really good in bali everyone uses cards so yeah pretty much um Vietnam, a lot of places use card, but not all. And in the Philippines, the islands I went to, no card. You had to use cash for everything, which was really annoying. What about, did have, do you, did you take a VPN um, out there? With you? Do you have one do, of those set up? I've just been using a free one um, called Windscribe. And I've just been using it for safety, yes. like when I log into my online banking. So I'll always like turn it on just in case. I've never really heard of like people hacking in, but I, I think yeah. maybe they can. I'm not sure. So I've been using it for that. And then also if I want to watch BBC iPlayer, it's good for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first person I've spoken to who, who name dropped the iPlayer over Netflix. <laughs> so that's a first. Thank you for that. <laughs> And then one more question is kind of made me think about, it. you mentioned about TikTok and like in searching for all these things. One thing that always comes up for me, obviously looking at traveling 
is my favorite one is always, you know, Instagram versus reality. When you see a lot of people putting out these wonderful views and Bali comes up a lot, wonderful views of their, you know, pools outside their bedroom and they turn the camera around and there's like a half drained river. Have you had any of these moments where you've been like, I'm going here because it looks fantastic. Yes. And you get there yes. and it's just an empty chair. Um, a lot of places are like that. Um, what's the name of the place in Vietnam? Oh, what's it called? The place where you go on the boat. I actually can't remember. I can't remember what it's called. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I will find it. I'll, I'll um, find it and include it in the edit. Yeah, that really shocked me. And it's like that in a lot of places, a lot of like water, there's rubbish everywhere. And that is really, really sad about Asia. They don't have like the same kind of rubbish system that we do and they don't recycle and a lot of the rubbish they just burn mm. or they just throw it and you look you know you see on TikTok yeah. oh beautiful like waters and then you get there and you look at it and you, there's plastic bottles floating everywhere and there's crisp packets and it's so sad to see and I think that like really shocked me and it does make it like yeah less enjoyable um and also for example Changu which I'm in now it's very very touristy and the rate at which everything is being built is just crazy so there is building work everywhere like all around my hostel everywhere you walk there's just building work there's hammering there's just going on all the time so it's not really like pristine and peaceful it's actually very like busy and noisy and there's like there's no pavements or anything either and you have to watch where you walk because there's like big holes in the ground and yeah just things like that and then something yeah definitely with the philippines that was kind of instagram versus reality that i definitely i did a tiktok on this as well because there's just so many travel days and i think that's something i found harder like as a solo traveler some days in the Philippines would just be traveling all day because you're trying to get between the islands or you have to get from one end of the island to the other end. And for example, like you'll book like a bus or a coach, not realizing, oh, it's going to be full of locals and you're having to stop every 10 minutes to drop locals off, to pick up school children, to take a package somewhere. And it's just the weirdest experience. And all you see, I feel for the Philippines is like, oh, the beautiful water, the lovely beaches which is really, really nice. But in between all of that, you're like, well, I'm sat on a coach for seven hours or, yeah, I'm sat on a ferry with no air cons all day. And it's just, you don't really like see that side of it actually to get to these places. They're quite hard to get to. They're not that well connected. That's definitely something I always encounter as well. You end up spending half your travel day sat on a coach. And especially when you go to certain countries as well, even though they look fairly small because they're so long and because of the mountains and roads. Yeah, I just remembered where I was talking about in Vietnam. It's Halong Bay, which is supposed to be beautiful. And it was nice, but I just wasn't overly impressed. And there was rubbish. Like, you'd just look out beside the boat and it'd be floating all along the which is so sad. It's one thing I kind of noticed as well when I was like out in China or Thailand, mm. e- everywhere apart from, say, Japan and South Korea, the, the, um, the infrastructure there just isn't there because a lot of it is so rural. But as you mentioned, it's getting more and more westernized because of this huge influx yeah. in tourism and foreign investment. So in time, it, it is a shame when you see all these wonderful, yeah. wonderful locations and there's just plastic everywhere. 
Yeah, that's yeah our, it's sad. That's existential crisis that you know the world's yeah. going. It, it is, but hopefully in time it's it's you know, it it could improve. <laughs> but not to end it on a, on a on a on a downer. But this has been really um insightful, and it's yeah. been it just sounds like you've had a wonderful experience. And I'm I'm yeah. hoping that your travel bug sticks with you and you carry on going. <laughs> I'd love to hear that you're dieting, you know, all over the place around Europe, Dubai, Australia. You never know where else you might go, and yeah, with with fitness, uh, as we mentioned, that's that industry is booming around the world. I think as well because tourism and expats are taking mm. it so many places as well. Yeah, so you never know. Might, might be hearing more from you, but thank you so much for being thank on the you. show, yeah, Alex. I really, really enjoyed talking to you. Ah. But before <laughs> I let you go, I've got my little quick fire questions that I like to ask everyone, and. Try, don't think about it too much. Whatever comes to your mind first. So let's take it back to before going out there in the first place. Try not mm-hmm. to answer with don't break your wrist. Um, but what advice would you give Alex before you went on your ad- adventure? You don't need to plan everything, except if you're in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> More than fair. And... Next question. You mentioned, obviously, you had your little bit of a panic attack and breakdown about packing your suitcase before going out in the first place and then coming back, getting your bag. But was there an item or or something that you forgot that you really regretted not shoving? That's bag? really difficult. Probably bug spray with DEET um, because they don't sell that here and the other ones don't really work. <laughs> <laughs> very practical um you've been around you've been in your tour groups you've kind of darted around from country to country have you picked up a phrase that has that you've been saying frequently and has become a favorite phrase a phrase. yeah no I am, I am trying to learn other languages but it's not going very well so far because i keep forgetting everything and um there's a lot of dutch people in bali so they've been trying to teach me dutch but the only thing i seem to be able to remember is umbrella which is paraplus and that's the only thing i can remember i mean it's yes, exactly the that's comes. how i remembered it but i'm Did not sure i'm going to use it every day <laughs> <laughs> okay well useful so a lot of people and as i can see you're an you're an earpod girl is there a song that has been on your playlist nonstop that re- that reminds you of home oh, or gosh. gets you through the day? These are really difficult questions. Mm, not a song, but um, I've really been enjoying um, listening to the Fred again Boiler set. You know Boiler Room, his set from London. Yeah, um, it's really good because basically my second cousin in Australia, he's like very into like house music like djs and we kind of like similar music and we were listening to that like in the summer when i was there in january like he'd be doing a barbecue and we'd have it on like while the sun's setting um so i've kind of been listening to that like when i'm away and yeah it's just really good and if i'm tired it wakes me up as well so (laughs) what was the moment during your trip so far that you kind of stopped and reflected on your journey and just said to yourself i've done it I don't know. Maybe I need to do more. It hasn't come yet. Or has it not come yet? It hasn't come yet. Yeah. Well, it's still it's, coming. Do you know what? It's hard to take it all in and it's hard to appreciate it all. And like, 
I'm going through it and I am enjoying it. But at the same time, a little part of me is like, oh, but I do kind of miss home and I do kind of miss my friends. And actually it's trying to just live in the moment and think actually they'll all still be at home. They're all going to be doing the same thing. And when I get home, I'll be missing being here. So it's trying to just appreciate it at the time and just take in every day. But it is really hard. You never know. That moment's going to come. And I guarantee Mm. you it'll be in that last week as well before you get on that flight home. Okay, so we're talking about you're going to Australia, you're going to New Zealand, potentially going to Thailand. When you come home, this could be thinking way in advance, but what country is on your bucket list that you have to go see? Oh, I know this. I want to go to Japan, Wonderful. but apparently it's quite expensive. And I also want to go to Egypt and go diving. Uh-huh. But, but, but I also need, I think it might be expensive too. <laughs> maybe, yes. But I mean, but both stunning and Japan. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been there, loved it. Um, and Egypt, I've heard you know wonderful things from from tourists, but both fantastic, fantastic answers. But Alex, again, thank you so much for being on the show and spending your time with me. And I just you know happy travels the rest of your journey, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the Tales from Travelers podcast to stay up to date on past and future episodes. I'm always looking to share new stories from expats and repats from all over the world. So please reach out if you'd like to share your story. You never know, your story could be the one that helps someone make that life-changing choice. You can find us on Instagram at Tales from Travellers. I'd love to hear your story, and more importantly, I'd love to share it with the world. I look forward to hearing from you, but thanks again for joining me, and until next time, happy travels.